It was a couple weeks ago, and I forget what the circumstances were, but you said, you, you got to believe me when I tell you stuff. You told me about a player who was going to come right in, and he played well, and you, you got to believe me when you tell me stuff. You said the Hamilton Tiger Cats are a good football team. We said they're 3-9. and nine. You said they're a good football team. We have to believe you when you tell us stuff like this, <laughs> don't we? Yeah, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> you don't have to, really, but... They are a good football team. It sounds like it'll make my life easier if I if I do. Uh, having had time to uh, look back at it, uh, what, what's your impression of the game in Hamilton? Well, uh, you know, they put it on us. That's what I said after the game. Um, you know, they scored 24 points in the second quarter. Um, but, you know, it, it wasn't going to take some sort of miraculous intervention to – to win that football game, we've been in a position before, like with with a group of veterans, we've been behind in games, and the score doesn't really matter. I mean, you know, at whatever nine and a half minutes left in the fourth, we're only down ten points, yep. which is, you know, not insurmountable by any stretch. I mean, that's a normal CFL game, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, Got lots of time left. You know, we can't let them score again. We need to stop, and we need to just keep getting points on drives. And it didn't work out um, for a variety of reasons, right? So we didn't play well enough to win, and uh, Hamilton played a good game. They had a, you know, they they made a lot of plays, and their defense played well. Um, Dane Evans played, you know, he's looked back to the Dane Evans that, uh, Hamilton thought he was going to be. So uh, just have to learn from it and move on. That's going to be the best game that a lot of CFL quarterbacks could ever have imagined playing five touchdowns, no picks against a team like yours. Uh, full props to, to Dane Evans in that one. In there have been um, at least uh, along our side questions about what is he and what would he be against this Winnipeg team? He was, Fantastic in this game. 204-780-6868. Your texts, your calls, our texts are pouring in. Uh, we have got Steve with us on the line to kick us off. Steve, thanks for your call. Your question for the head coach, Mike O'Shea. Hi. Um, so regarding the game the other day, my only, I mean, whatever, you know, stuff happens. Um, the, the lack of a pass rush against Evans was a tiny bit concerning, but whatever. I know, Coach, you're, you're a heck of a lot smarter than me. You'll figure, whatever, move on from there. But this is my question, uh, Coach O'Shea. What do you make of – you're playing Saskatchewan next on the 30th. What do you make of Saskatchewan this year? They're, they're, they're a head-scratcher to me. I, I picked them, and I thought they would challenge you guys for first in the West. Like, what in the, in the world do you make of Saskatchewan this year? Well, I mean, it's going to sound like a broken record, but they're they're a good football team. If we think of of Saskatchewan as anything less than a good football team, we're it's going to be trouble for us, right? We beat them by what? Did we beat them by two points yep. at Labor Day, and then we put it on them um, at the Banjo Bowl. But they had guys sick. They had guys dressed that didn't even see the field, right? They didn't step on the field, so they weren't at their best. Um, you know, by any stretch of the imagination. So we got to assume they're coming, going to be coming off the bye also. They're going to be healthy. Uh, they're going to have other guys back that, that were injured anyway, not just sick. So they're going to be at full strength. And I imagine um, it's going to be, uh, it's going to probably look like a different game. You know, we have to be prepared for that. They're going to be able to run the football and get after the passer and, and, 
And um, I'm sure Cody Fajardo is going to be rested and and very determined. Steve, thank you for your call. Appreciate you being with us on the Coaches Show. We have a DM or a tweet from uh, David Aspel. Says, uh, Mike, what do you think of the Elks and Lions and their huge wins over West Division opponents? Just along the line of Sask. Yeah, it, it once again, it, it just makes things interesting, you know, down the stretch. We're we're getting to that point in the season, you know, and um, everybody's jockeying and trying to figure out where they fit. Um, and I imagine nobody's even thinking of that. They're just thinking <laughs> about winning football games. Right? Yeah. So um, it certainly it certainly makes things interesting. Once again, we'll just we'll just let it play out. And worry about ourselves. And um, I'm, I'm sure it'll work out well for us. Yeah, if you ever need to know the permutations of it, you just cast it out and the fans will know. The fans will have it ready yeah. for you. You need to do this and this and this. If you ever want you it, know. it's out there for you. But I like it that you guys don't have to focus on that because, you know, you can just find that stuff super easy. You just got to win. Just keep winning football games. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's important, right, to, to win, um, win at this time of year. I mean, it's important to win. At any point in the year, obviously, but it's you, you'd like to you'd like to be winning at this point in the year. Uh, three down, Monty, who tweets at CFL Guru uh, uh, Mike. Do you attribute any of the teams' play Saturday to the fact they were heading into the bye? Two pre bye week losses this season. Yeah, I don't. Um, I mean, you could look at it and say, well, Hamilton was coming off of bye, right? So they had an extra bunch of days to prepare and feel good about themselves, healthy, you know. Um, motivated, certainly. Um, no, I, I don't. Um, I, I think our guys have performed in all sorts of different situations. And, uh, you know, to say that that's the reason because we're heading into a buy, I just don't I don't buy that. I think here's, there's reasons enough on the film that says why we won, in, won or lost a game. All right, let's go to the phone lines and welcome in Gary is with us. Gary, thanks for your call. Your question for the head coach, Mike O'Shea. Okay, thanks very much. Uh, Mike, during the college draft, we were told about this super great shutdown corner that was so good that uh, opposing quarterbacks wouldn't throw to him. And um, with uh, Terrell, um, number 25. Tyrell Ford. Ford. Joe Ford. I expected we were going to see him in when... Um, Houston went down because number 45 is having a fair amount of difficulty over there. Are we going to see Terrell Ford get a chance to play some corner for us and see if he can shore up our backfield? I think Jamal Parker, I don't know that he's having trouble over there. You know, I think. Well, uh, we, we watch a, him running behind the guys going in for touchdowns. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a young guy. He's got some stuff to learn. But I, once again, I, I, caution, I caution the fans to just – you know, there's 12 guys on the field, every defensive play, just like, you know, to say that a sack is to be blamed on the offensive line is not accurate. You have to go through um, all sorts of different uh, looks at a play to say exactly what happened and how things broke down. And the same on defense, just because the uh, there's a guy in the end zone with the ball, the closest defender isn't the one necessarily that made the biggest mistake. <laughs> so usually when there's an explosive play that happens, it, there's multiple errors on the play. So okay. I would just, well, I, would, I would be cautious in okay. looking at well, those we, plays we and saying it's one person. We were at the game where uh, Houston got hurt mm-hmm. and he went in and he seemed to be playing well off 
being cautious, which I can appreciate for a new guy. Um, but anyway, without knocking him specifically, is there any chance we're going to get to see Terrell Ford get a shot at playing some corner? Uh, I mean, anything's possible. I, I, once again, the, the, a field corner playing off is not foreign. You know, you, you, you would r- rarely see a field corner pressed up in coverage. There's just too much space out there, and there's too much of an opportunity for that field corner to help um, on, on other routes and help, help teammates, right? So it, it just, I, th- I believe if you were to watch field corners on other teams throughout the season, you would really wouldn't see them pressed up tight in coverage very often at all. <laughs> No, not so at all. It's just not the. It's just not the position that that yeah. they they do that. It's not system wise. It wouldn't be the thing to do. The guy on the other side would be more likely to be in press coverage. Yeah, yes, and it's maybe changed slightly based on the hashes. You know, there's, but I don't think so. I think it's the way defenses are run in the CFL. It's it's not likely that you do that. Yeah. So yeah. Pa- so Parker lining up, and I'm just pulling off. a number. Up, yeah, ten yards off. It's not foreign. Stand- it's not foreign. No, it's it it is fairly uh, standard Calm, when yeah. you watch around. Yeah. Gary, appreciate you be with us. Thanks for your call and for your questions, my friend. Okay. Very good. Thanks. All right, Bye. Gary. Nice to be with us on the phone lines. It's we want press corners. We want bump and run. We want guys hammer. But like the, the field side. We can throw out numbers about it, but it's still a long way away. Mm-hmm. And uh, your point about help is is an interesting one of a smart field corner can cover a lot of space that's not the field wide receiver. Right. A, vet, a veteran field corner understands exactly where he needs to stand to play a variety of routes. Right. Right. Something short, something in breaking, a go on the outside a dig from the outside, uh, you know, uh, uh, a post from the outside, let's say. Jamal Parker needs a little bit more time to have all the pitchers that a lot of field corners in the CFL have seen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, and he's learning and he, and he'll get there. Well, right? and so, yeah. And what, what I've kind of come to rationalize with is we get the TV copy, right? And you guys get, at least two other ones that show you so much more. Well, so, plus, we know the play call. At, also, that one. <laughs> That's but, the biggest one. But on TV, we just see there goes Keandre Smith, and forty-five is the last guy chasing him, and we go, "Well, okay, what's well, got to be?" Because we don't, we're missing twenty-two players worth of information. And plus, play calls are probably important yeah, as to how it all helps. goes. Yeah, it's yeah. It, it's rough. It it didn't go the way we wanted as Bomber fans, but uh, it's into the bye week, and the Bombers still with a three-win lead over every other team in the Canadian Football League. Uh, Glory is on the text line. 31 points, wins most games. Defense didn't show up is her uh, assessment. Oh, this is always this is always one I enjoy. And we'll, Harry and Kevin are on the line. Uh, we'll get to you in a moment. Uh, can Coach please explain why an offense needing less than a yard would line up in shotgun to run the football? He's asking about an NFL game yesterday. Uh, He's asking about the Chicago Bears. It, oh, did that happen in the Bears? It happened. It happened yeah. in the Riders Elks game. I don't remember it yeah. from your game in particular, but yeah, no, we would we we wouldn't necessarily line up in shotgun to run sneak if that's what they're asking i think maybe i think they're probably talking people get very frustrated at pistol formation shotgun handoff to the running back on third and one that really irks cfl fans well listen there 
there's a lot of very good coaches in this league. If they do that, there's a reason why they're doing that. You know, it's not cavalier. They're not just, ah, well, let's, I got these nine plays for short yardage. I'm going to pick one. Oh, okay, shotgun, pistol formation. It's not like that. So I, I, I firmly believe that if the decision is made to run a play like that, there's a good enough reason for it, you know. Um, might not be what we do, but, yeah, you know, we're not always right either. <laughs> Entirely possible. Let's go to the phone lines and welcome in Harry. Harry, thanks for your call. Your question for the head coach, Mike O'Shea. Okay, a couple of quick, well, one question, but, Mike? Yep. Uh, it's a coach's show, so I have to say hello. Hello, Harry. But... I'm in the, I'm from the Bud Grant era. It's all over your end zone. Okay? I'm 75 years old. But I got a question for you, Coach. Were the Bombers, did they actually under... Now, I know you didn't. I know your coaches didn't. But the, the player's mentality, did he underestimate... Hamilton, because that was yeah. wasn't very good. Yeah, I, I don't you, think you're going to admit that, coach. I don't think they could have. Hockey and soccer all my life. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they could have underestimated him. Our coaches do a great job of showing them uh, okay. a tremendous amount of film through the week, and the yeah. film would have. Oh, no, I don't need. I don't mean that. The, the film and would have tons of clips showing Hamilton. Um, doing extremely well against every one of their opponents. I mean, I think they've lost eight games in the last, or, or not lost. I think they've been in eight games where it was decided in the last three minutes. So they've been in a lot of games and they've been winning a lot I of games. Played, I, I, I had Bill Frank playing against me. <laughs> Bill Frank, the Barbers. Yeah. I'm an old timer. Harry, Harry, football. let me ask you, what makes you think they took Hamilton lightly? Is it just the result or was there something else you think you no, saw? No, it was in the media, the papers, all were not underestimating Hamilton. Oh, I underestimated but, Hamilton. Let's uh, not. Oh, I, I absolutely uh, did. I don't believe But then I don't get paid to go out and win, win games against Hamilton. So I didn't think Hamilton had that in them at all. But I can I can guarantee you every person I talked to who, who was playing in that game was like, no, they're good. They're good because A, B, Everybody, and C. I, I got my bomber jersey on. They asked me what happened to the bombers. And I said, hey, hey, you know what? It's better you lost tonight, not in the Great Cup. Yeah. Tonight, I, Coach. All right. Harry, thank Thanks you. For the call. Thank you for your call. We appreciate you being with us on all the right. phone line. Uh, the best team in the history of the Canadian Football League was the 1989 Edmonton Elks, 16-2. and There's no Miami Dolphins or New England Patriots uh, so far in the history of the uh, Canadian Football League. Kevin is with us on the phone line. Kevin, thanks for your call. Uh, your question for the head coach, Mike O'Shea. Hey, coach, I got a question for you, and then I got a, I just wanted your opinion on something else. So I'll start with the question. Um on the Hamilton game, you guys got a penalty. I mean, I know what taunting is, but the ref said OC taunting. What does that exactly mean? That's the new uh, sort of standard objection- objectionable conduct, and it goes. It certainly uh, gets um, marked down. If the player gets a second one, they can be ejected. So they're just trying to clean up all the 
post-play crap that makes our game look bad. Be called OC taunting, I take it. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah the official just objectionable conduct taunting, oh, and that one would have been I... Jamarcus Hardrick. You there? Um, with uh oh, geez, I can't remember his name. Uh, the quarterback there, second quarterback that went in, uh, and he was flexing towards the crowd. Just wondering what your opinion was that when you're down by 18 points and he's flexing. Uh, their quarterback. No, your quarterback. Um, Jesus, Dakota Prukop. Are you talking yeah, about? He wasn't flexing towards the crowd. He he was running in, putting a signal for our personnel. Big team. Oh, okay, I misunderstood. That. Big team. Flexing it like yeah. bicep flexing, it's, it's, indicating it's, the big yeah, team. I thought he, I thought he was like flexing towards the crowd, but you're down by 18 points. Like I don't think. No, <laughs> no, no. There's no. There's nobody on our team that's doing that. Yeah. It's. I guarantee you. He he's calling in the personnel. Or saying what the next personnel is. It's big, big team. So yeah, you won't have to worry about that stuff. <laughs> no, but I'm good. That's a good question, Kevin. Because if you were thinking it, he's, he's certainly not the only one. But yeah, he he gets a very tight bicep flex, not the old Hulk Hogan one. With yeah, uh, yeah. say your prayers and eat your vitamins. No, no. But uh, and Dakota doesn't seem like a real flexer. He seems like a a guy who's just going to go out and try to win some football games as opposed to. Flex on his way out. Agreed. Texts and calls 204-780-6868. Richard wants to know, just wondering why or what Hamilton did to stop the pressure we normally get up front on defense. Hmm. Well, I think part of their plan was to not have Dane have to hang on to the ball, you know? So I, I, I do believe that if, and I haven't done it yet, but if I were to go in time, you know, his snap to release on pass plays, he was probably f- fairly quick, right? Um, I mean, if you look, go back into the uh, 2021 Grey Cup also, they chipped our ends a lot. Like they hand throw, you know, they had a definite plan on how to handle pressure, our edge pressure. And so does the plan change a little bit? Yeah, but they want the same outcome, right? They want the ball out of, out of Dane's hands and they want, you know, uh, to try and, you know, they want uh, a little bit of a running attack. I don't, wouldn't say they stuck with the run, you know. Yeah. But they certainly wanted to move them around a little bit too. They used their fullback a little more and got the ball. So they, you know, that one play they rolled out and they threw it back across to the fullback. I mean, it's a good play, right? It caught us. Who's <laughs> their leading so, receiver, Felix Garangoche, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think some of that also Jackson Jeffcoat got hurt, right, mm-hmm. early. So, um he couldn't play the rest of the game, and then we, then you're down a, a rusher, and it, I mean it takes a lot of energy to rush the passer. You'd like to have a rotation, a better rotation, and that's on me for not, you know, you know, I change the roster, not change, but I, I manipulate the roster based on what I think you know you're you're going to need every week. You sort of take a look and see, and it would have been nice. You know, hindsight being what it is, it would have been nice to have another another rusher on the <laughs> on the roster. Yeah, you know, just on the uh, on the Dane Evans part of it. Um, gosh, he was under pressure by my count. The second least any opposing quarterback has been. He had the third most targets under ten yards of any quarterback you guys have faced. So that would uh, that would seem to indicate, hey, apart apart from those deep balls, the, there was a lot of of low and easy and swings and such 
the the roster thing because people said, "Hey, uh, Dewan Cooper, number twenty two, was on the roster." People are curious. He's listed in his in his NFL profile as linebacker edge. Uh, people, I guess, on one depth chart that was being circulated, he was listed as a defensive back. It wasn't the one that you guys gave out, but one at the game had him at defensive back, and I went, "Well, that's not even remotely close." Even though he is number twenty two, uh, where do you? Dewan Cooper's an edge player up here, yes. Um, you, yep, yep, yep. He's got a linebacker body type, though. Like he's he's, uh, I think he's two hundred twenty five, two hundred thirty pounds. Right, so he right right now for us he's a special teamer. Um, you know he hasn't been with us very long, obviously only a couple of weeks. Right, so uh, right now for us he plays special teams and uh, he's he's working at the D line and there's certain nuances to our game that that he needs more work on. Yeah, yeah. There was there was just I wanted to make sure we cleared up confusion that he is not a when you see him and you see his thighs he is not a defensive back <laughs> no. he is a big he is a big dude he is, he's, he plays in the front yeah absolutely he he is an edge rusher with with the roster I think it was the first time you had listed three safeties and I think it was the first time you listed seven offensive linemen was that was did that require taking a body away from the defensive line rotation uh, not necessarily no. Nope. Not necessarily. Okay. Um, I mean, the three safeties, uh, Malcolm Thompson drew back on and Michael Couture drew back on on the O-line. So, no. Yeah. It's just two more. It was two more roster spots allotted to safety and offensive line that we're used to seeing. Yeah. But that wasn't necessarily what led to. No. All right. I like it. Let's, uh, I say I like it a lot is my response to, that's the answer. Let's move on. <laughs> Not, yeah, I, that's one of my verbal tics. Don, please excuse my verbal tics. Thanks for uh, giving us a call. Your question for the head coach, Mike O'Shea. My, my question was short and sweet, but it was sad to watch Hamilton eat your guy's lunch on Saturday. But uh, my question is, when, it, uh, when the score looked quite out of hand, uh, for a win for the Bombers, why would you not think of pulling Calaris out and putting in one of your other quarterbacks just for three or four reps just to see if he could change the uh, mood of the game type of thing? I'll hang up and listen for your reply. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Don. Uh, there, I think that we had a series start with around three three minutes to go, and um, we're down 17 maybe at that point, which is not insurmountable. You know, we, we were down 13, I think, to Montreal with a minute and a half to go. We got touchdown, onside kick, touchdown to win a game. So there's certainly still hope. Um, and I'm not saying switching the quarterback out would would change that. And I also, But I also don't think that switching the quarterback is going to give you the spark that's going to... Um, allow you to operate fast and get to 17. So Zach still gives you the absolute best chance because he's the best quarterback in the league, as we think. Um, He still gives you the best chance to operate offensively to allow yourself to try and get 17 in three and a bit minutes or whatever the last drive started at, or second last drive started at. You know, in fact, I think he's the only one in terms of quarterback play that gives you that opportunity. So I, it's really hard to say, um, uncle, we don't have an opportunity because we've seen it too many times in the CFL that it's never really over. And, and that's just the way I believe. Now, um, had we gotten the ball back again 
uh, we would have made a change at the very end. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it sounds like it's a difference. The fans figured the fans who wanted, Oh, pull Zach, give drew some reps. We're figuring it's mop up time for you. It wasn't mop up, run the clock out. Let's go home time. Yeah. I imagine yep. there'll be, uh, there'd be a lot of people who complain about that, about me is I, do, I just never see, I don't see it that way. Yeah. I've, I've been in too many games where there's too many possessions and there's under three minutes and too many lead changes and too many opportunities to win games in the last three minutes of a game. It's just, that's what's so beautiful about the CFL. Beautiful, frustrating. It's exciting. It's heart pal. Like there are games I've left calling. I'm like 45 minutes into the post game show. My heart rate still is not back to normal because. Isn't that awesome? Though? It's it really is. It's going to be the death of me one day, but it's yeah. it's really great. Well, it was a good way to go. You know what? It would be. Watching a CFL game uh, would be a good way to go. Yeah. Uh, Jim is hit us up at DT on OB. You can also reach out on Twitter if you like. Uh, Jim wants to know, what was the reason for taking Zach out in the third quarter with two-something when he was moving the team? Uh, I think he's referring to the opening drive of the third quarter. You guys go six, 68 yards in six plays. Dembski runs for five. Second and five, Dakota Prukop comes in. Dakota gets stopped on a run field goal. Yeah. Um, there was some plays and combination of plays we wanted that we believed at that moment were going to be the ones that worked. Absolutely. I mean, Dakota's a very good football player. He's He's gotten some pretty heavy yards for us and scored and uh, makes good decisions. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Gord is on the, on the line at DT on OB. Is the team going to expand its practice roster when they return back? We'll be looking for players that can help this season. Does the practice roster expand at some point? It does. In the year? It does. You have a window of, I think it's 30 days to expand your practice roster by five. Um, after September, whatever date in September, you can do it. Um, and we will like every other team will, we will take advantage of that opportunity for sure. Is are there is it only upside or are there downsides to potentially bringing in however many new players? I, I honestly don't know. Um, do you Or do you just go, we're bringing in five guys because we have the opportunity to bring in these five guys? Is it just automatic? Uh, I, I believe... I believe it's automatic that we would do it. Okay. Are there downsides to it? Is there things to manage? Absolutely. You've got players that have played, whatever we played, 14 games that now we're coming off a bye, which is fine. But if you, you know, there's been times where I've had to, you know, sit with the practice roster expansion guys and say, hey, just remember, these guys have been on a seven-game stretch here. We don't hit in practice. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, you're you're not making the team because you smack a guy in practice. Like we have to be cognizant of these are the pros that are playing right now, and they're just they've played seven weeks in a row. Let's say, you know, so we've had those conversations before. They've just got to figure out how to fit in. They got to learn, and they got to show us what they can do. Um, we'll also put them through the paces a little bit post practice because you're allowed to do that. You know, a certain number of reps with the PR guys. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, uh, Danny McManus, Ted Govaya will, will be here to um, look at the guys and, and see what they can and can't do. And, you know, because it might have been, it may be some time since we had eyes on them last. So you want to see what kind of shape they're in. And, um, you know, so uh, we'll see. And, you, you know, you see if the guys can help you or not. But 
it's uh, certainly one of those opportunities that you you need to take for your team to um, continue to get better. You, you made me think of a story. When I was in university, uh, our basketball team had a guy who was borderline NBA player. People were like, oh, this guy's going to be, he's unbelievable. They were playing a preseason exhibition game and they needed an extra body. So a buddy of mine volunteered and he he's in this game with you sports players and just, you know, it's going about as you'd expect. But here comes Alex Beeson, the guy who's borderline player of the year, storming down the court three on one uh, in a fast break situation. My buddy stood in front of him to take a charge. I'm like, what, what are you doing? Why would you? He's like, no, I'm playing hard. I'm like, no, you just you get out of the way. I get you're playing hard. But dear God, if he gets hurt, you're going to be enemy number one. So you can't make the team on this day. Just just know that. Just yeah. relaxing, taking it easy. Play hard, but if you tackle a receiver, we're going to get you. Yeah, there it's are not parameters go. they have to follow. Right? <laughs> yeah. they, they, once again, they've got to it's, figure out how to fit in, too. Yeah. yeah. Ryan says, what went into the decision on not going for two on the fourth quarter touchdowns? They were down 24, so could have cut it down to needing only three scores. Yeah, uh you know, discussed it with with Buck and told him what I thought in terms of the plan, how we were going to execute, you know, getting back into it. Like to keep momentum and don't think you need to press for points there. So once again, we're only down 10 with, with nine and a half to go. So you score, you kick another single, you're still going to get another possession to kick a field goal. We got the wind behind us. We could trot legs out there for a longer one. Um, and just, you know, keep that positive flow going right now if they stop you on a two now you get you have to go for two the next or that fourth possession is has to be a touchdown yeah right so you know the way i played it out in my head um this was uh you know quite doable um you know compared to hitting on three touchdowns and three two-point converts you know i just don't i didn't see it happening that way the the overarching thing for the for this conversation is the chance of winning a, a football game when you're down 24 is quite thin in the first place. So we're talking about thin margins, and it, can 10% be 12% or 8%? You take it away from having a chance to tie the game with three scores by not going for the one, which I I was I didn't expect at the time because you need you. Again, thin that you're going to get those 24 points at all, but you now have issued the chance that you can do it in three possessions. Right, but I didn't think the, I didn't think time was an issue to get the fourth possession. We needed stops on defense regardless. 100%. So Always, yep. As long as you get the stops on defense, you're going to get the fourth possession. It's not going to go any other way. We have lots of time. Right. If we scored our first touchdown, we're down 24. If we score the first touchdown of the fourth with... 10 minutes to go, it may change my opinion because we might not have enough possessions, but we scored our first touchdown. 1430, I think, something like that. Yeah, whatever, 14, yeah, 1430. And then once again, we score again, we two and out them, which is exactly what we need. And we score again, now nine and a half to go, we're down 10. So that one of the things that I, I think our team is really good at is managing the clock um, in whatever situation it is, rather than, whether it's killing time or saving time, um, Buck has our offense and Zach, you know, we operate, all the players have a great understanding of what 
the game situation is and how we need to operate, whether, like I said, in all situations, they have a great handle on that. So um, time wasn't one of those factors for me. We scored right away. Okay. It's not going to be an issue, right? Right. Unless they score again. And not Unless even they score again. Which but the, it's going to be if they score again, then it's it's getting tough again. Oh, for sure. And any any nine minute drive in any circumstance ends the game essentially, right? right? We needed to get off the field instead of allowing them a fourteen yeah. play drive or whatever it was. The the one thing I um, that came to me was if you if you try to win in three possess if you try to tie it, excuse me, in three possessions, you leave yourself a little latitude in case they do get a random field goal. You now you it's a four possession game. In that case, a five possession game. There you, you don't have any time, or you're relying on an onside kick, well, they which get is a field goal and still be a four possession game. We now you need the touchdown, the fourth touchdown. Yeah, right. So just I always take yeah. it as as few possessions as I can get, and if I can avoid an onside kick, I'm super happy to do that because those are 15 percent at your level when they know it's coming. And they go. so I, I just I just immediately go eight eight eight. Yeah, it's the the interesting thing I thought in the post game show you said we need to get in the end zone six times. Yeah, why do you think? Why well, for you is the three yards from the three yard line different than the three yards in another spot? I thought I found that interesting. Defenses call it differently. Okay, you know, so you know they took a penalty. We yeah, were on the three yard line, and there's a you know I think a penalty on Mike Miller. They hold him, and I think yeah. he would have scored. There. Oh, he you was know, wide I think, open. I think yeah, he was going to be wide open. And he got held. Um, but I do think that the play calling from a defense changes, and it should. You yeah. know, you're you're backed up on the three, but um, I, I do think that if somebody said they're going to get in the end zone six times against us, which I think they did this game, but <laughs> you know, for the most part, it's not going to happen. If you're say you're going to get the end zone six times against Hamilton. You know, even though three of them are from the three, you're still, you know, we stop guys regularly on the one. Yep. <laughs> you know, so. I uh, I dug into it because I knew someone would ask and I knew I was curious yeah. about it. So from 2015 to this week, uh, teams who have uh, and goal situations from the three, be it first and goal, mm-hmm. second and goal, third and goal, or a two point convert situation, uh, they get in from the one from the. I was going to say 107, their, their three yard line, 54% of the time. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, that's, I would, I would roll that. Yeah. I would, two point converts are 60% of the time conversion across, across the average. When you have longer drives, it tends to be more likely that you're going to get in though. There's not a huge sample size to, to prove that. And I go, Ooh. how many teams, how many teams in your study have made three, two point converts in a game? Well, that goes back to the, it's a 10%. You're talking about moving a 10% win probability to a 12%, right? It's it's very thin at the best of times, <laughs> right? So we're that's why I'm like, if we talk about it, we'll talk about it toward the end because it doesn't change a ton, right? Like it, I, I just, bottom line is yeah. we, we had a plan. I When I started thinking about how we were going to get this done, time wasn't an issue, right? Because we scored early in the fourth, Mm -hmm. you know, and to me, we still have lots of time. We score again, nine and a half minutes, you know. If you two and out them on that last, on that, they go nine minute drive. If you four and out them, whatever it is, it changes everything. But Hamilton was just, they were really good with that drive and it, it played out the way they wanted to. And ultimately uh, it it didn't matter a whole bunch. Uh, The week off, uh, I'm, 
I struggle with questions to ask. What do you hope the guys take away from the week off? Whatever I you're they might ask be me doing. What I'm doing. I, I could ask you, but I don't know if you want to. If you want to offer that up, I went. I went bird hunting with a neighbor this morning. I went to, down to Red River Cats. I caught monster catfish. Oh, really? I had to leave the boat to come here. We were still catching master anglers. It was unbelievable. We caught thirty fish this afternoon. Oh my goodness! Yeah, Eric Lobopo had us on fish all day. <laughs> anyway, awesome. What do the, That's what do the guys want to do? What do I want them to do? Um, I, I want them to. Here's what I told them, all right? And it doesn't often come out exactly what I told them, but I want them to find an edge. I want them to make sure they're doing the right things and making good decisions for their teammates so they come back and we've got an edge to us, right? And that could be anything, right? It could be a guy needs to step away and and find something else to do. Like as coaches, we need to have a couple days where we're not thinking about football, right? Where we're doing something different, that allows you um, time to focus on something else, right? And when you do something you don't normally do, you have to focus on it, right? So doing something that I that I haven't normally done in a while allows you to focus hard on that and not think about football. Now, in a day, another day, we'll be back on, yeah. <laughs> on, right? So I want the players to do a little bit of that. I want them to make sure they're running and lifting and doing those things, but not in that setting of, you know, organized team stuff there, but a lot of guys are still around and, and they're getting together and they're probably watching film and, you know, they're probably doing the other things too. Cause bottom line is we have to come back better and uh, we have to come back prepared to work harder and, and, and be better going forward. And, and I'm sure we will. We've got a great group of guys. It's, it's awesome going to work every day. September 30th, Bombers and Riders right here on 680 CJOB. That's the Coach's Show. Thank you to the head coach, Mike O'Shea. We're back next Monday with plenty more.